Welcome, welcome to another episode. Monday morning, I'm fresh. It's a new week. A lot has happened over the weekend, and it feels like nothing didn't happen uh, because there was no football. I mean, there was no football that matters, which means there's no Premier League. Um, I didn't watch any of the FA Cup matches. The Australian Open final happened, and yeah, there's... There's nothing much to say except Novak Djokovic was Novak Djokovic. And it was pretty wholesome watching him win, especially the reaction afterwards. And he's indomitable. Um, he is indestructible. He is he's him. And he is quite phenomenal because when when you look at how him and Nadal have been dominant in recent years. And by recent years, I mean 2020 until now. Nadal has looked like he struggled. He looked like a toil on his way to success. He looks like a warrior going to war and winning in a very hard-fought battle. And then there's Novak Djokovic. His wins are just seamless. The whole tournament dropped one set. And that one set was against Enzo. I don't even know his surname, but uh, it was the the match where we began to see Novak suffering with that hamstring injury. And it was very, it was very grueling, the match. Uh, at least some portions of it. And then from there, he just wiped everyone out. He was so efficient. He was ruthless. He was accurate. All the words you can use. Didn't drop a set. I mean, as the tournament went deeper and deeper, he just became more precise, more accurate, and deadlier. And wow, I'm I'm running out of words to describe his performances and just how dominant he's been. I mean, it's not even now. From last year at Wimbledon until now, obviously, he played an incredible uh, final at um, Paris Masters lost to Rune and I mean that's not a loss you can hang your head like uh, about and just say ah I performed very he was superb just that Rune was just on this magical run and yeah it had to happen that way I guess and Novak didn't seem too bummed out that he lost and wow he came and won Adelaide won convincingly I mean everyone no one was surprised there I mean the biggest surprise was how much of a challenge Koda presented to him in the final. And that should tell you a lot about Novak. The fact that someone stepping up and really challenging him, that's something that raises eyebrows. That should tell you just how dominant he's been. And yeah, new world number one, order has been restored. Order has been restored. There's nothing much to say except that uh, it, it, it feels... It feels like justice has been served for what what happened to Novak at uh, at Australian Open in in, in twenty twenty two, and now he's allowed to uh, to come back to Melbourne and he reclaimed his title, winning the tenth Australian title of his life, um, Australian Open title of his life, and yeah, man, what more can we say about Novak Djokovic? I mean, I think what more can we say? 
this is what we can say about Novak Djokovic moving forward. Who raises their hand? Who dares challenges Novak Djokovic? We'll see. At this moment, he is playing... I don't know. I don't think there's a player on, ten, on, on planet Earth right now that can even take a set from him. I know people will take set from him, but it doesn't look likely. I'll even go to, to the extent of saying... I think the chance of him losing a set now, just a casual set, that, what, 20%? I mean, a tiebreak can go either way. So maybe accounting for a tiebreak, it goes to like 45, 50%. But it doesn't look like he'll lose a set, let alone a match, let alone a tournament. A grand slam, I don't want to speak about that. But yeah, uh, interesting times lie ahead because we're going to... uh, the clay season, not now, of course, but we're going to the clay, clay season, and I am extremely excited to see what happens on clay. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz should be back, and a lot of players that we haven't really seen much of, uh, Berrettini and Pablo Carreno Busta. I feel like we haven't seen Berrettini because he loses in. He lost very early in Australia uh, to Andy Murray. And before then, I don't remember what he was doing. I haven't seen him much. I mean, he played in Naples. No one watched the Naples, uh, the, the tournament in, in, in Naples last year. And yeah, he re- I, th- I don't think he played the US Open. I think he had COVID at the US Open. Was it US Open or Wimbledon? One of those two. But yeah, I, all in all, we haven't seen much of Matteo Berrettini. Um, Alexander Zverev came back. He is really rusty. I mean, that injury affected him a lot. We're hoping that it doesn't affect him in the long run. Because, yeah, he lost matches that he shouldn't have lost. He lost sets that he shouldn't have lost. I mean, he went five sets with uh, Juan Pablo Varelas, who's a seasoned challenger's uh, competitor and a player of Zvarov's caliber doesn't go five sets at a slam with Juan Pablo Varilas and he lost to more and yeah he didn't quite look himself I don't I don't know how to describe his performances except saying except to say that he's on his way back let's give him time and yeah I mean we know you have to be playing a lot of tennis to play at a high level, unless if you are maybe a Djokovic, um, a Medvedev as well, a Tsitsipas. I can't say Nadal anymore because now we're starting to see the effects of him not playing long term, how how that affects his game, how that affects his shot. I mean, at the end of the day with Nadal, we, we have to at some point come to understand that even without injuries, he's still going to struggle. He's still going to struggle because he's not playing consistently on tour. He's not playing the smaller tournaments. So that's always going to affect your game, no matter how good you are. And even if he recuperates and gets back to game shape or, you know, he just gets his physicality going, we have to understand that 
his ground strokes are going to be Arrhenius, his forehand is going to be Arrhenius at some point. Like things are just going to be rusty. Uh, because he's not playing as often as a, an elite tennis player should be playing, you know. Um, but yeah, this is not about Nadal. The problem, with, the thing with Nadal when recording content is when you start talking about him, there's so much you can say, and the conversation can go in different directions. Which is why, whenever I want to talk, when I, whenever I I reach a point in, in in conversation where I talk about him. I have to remind myself, this is not about Nadal. Don't talk about him because there's so much to say. Um, but there's a lot that can happen this season and it's going to be a really long season. We're still waiting to see what Dominic team looks like. Um, I don't think he offered Rublev much challenge in, in, in the Australian Open. Uh, I mean, they played the first, first game. Like round of one twenty eight, they were just the Rublev versus team, and I guess it's it has to do with rankings as well and whatnot. So which is why I mean it was kind of it was bittersweet in a way, but more bitter for me, um, because I mean I would have liked to see both Rublev and team in advanced stages of the of the of the, of the Grand Slam. I think that would have given us an epic an epic match, uh, maybe third round. Um, that would have given us, I mean, team would have been maybe in much better shape. Uh, we would have gained more momentum. And yeah, I mean, even if he had lost to Rublev, but in the, in the third round, it wouldn't have been too sad. Uh, because we would have seen team develop. We would have seen him play some lower ranked players and, you know, give us more of a snapshot into, um, what to expect this season? How much has he progressed? Is he back to um, the levels that he desires to be back on? And uh, I mean, you know, so that's quite a bitter. But the sweet part of it is seeing Rublev and team just battle it out again. I mean, that's always sweet. You can never get enough of watching Dominic team play. Um. But other than that, there's not really much to say or much to write home about. It's it's really interesting. Oh, it will be interesting to see the changes that happen in Felix Zverev. Medvedev needs some change. I don't know what type of change, but he needs some change. Um, obviously, Sebastian Koda played well, superbly well. Um, but I still feel like Medvedev needs to play aggressive tennis. Uh, I don't know how much longer that the point of tennis he's playing can uh, can carry him, especially to deeper runs at slams and masters events. So we'll see. We'll see. As it stands, the next Grand Slam is in April, Roland Garros. Uh, but I'm not, not excited for Roland Garros because uh, for me, I'm more... I'm more excited for the bigger picture. What's the bigger picture of the season and the progress that will be made by a couple of players, especially after a, a, a slam. I mean, Tommy Paul said that he doesn't want to be a one-hit wonder. So I think he'll be beaming with motivation to... Um, win a title or two 
make a deep run at a Masters event or even win it, you know. Um, but yeah, we'll see. That's that. That's someone that's. I mean, because of for me, if you if you asked me before the Australian Open, would Tommy Paul have? Would Tommy Paul make it to the semi-finals? I, was, I would be like, hell no, that's not happening. Because he's very inconsistent. There's not much about his game to write home about. But he's a solid, consistent, like, not consistent. He's a solid player. Covers the basics right. Like, he does everything all right, but not good or great. Just all right. Um, but he said it himself that he wants to improve and go further in, in slams and, you know, major tournaments and even win as well. So, I mean, I'm hoping that motivation will carry him. And he's world number 19 as we speak. So he just broke into the top 20 for the first time in his career. So that should, that should bring me, bring him a lot of motivation. And yeah, that, that's, that's amazing. Ben Sheldon, I think he's top 50 now. Um, after that run, he made it, uh, starting open. So kudos to him. Looking forward to see what happens. You know, the, the problem with, it's not a problem, but the, the conundrum with, players moving up uh, in ranking points and all of that, break breakthrough stars and, you know, just players making it the first time in the, in the second, like Jerry Leheka and them. We have to see them in different surfaces. Yes. Because, yeah, okay, let's get this out of the way. Most players prefer to play on hard court. That's a fact. Um, uh, an overwhelming majority of players prefer hard court, unless if your name is Kasper Ruud. <laughs> That's funny. Um, players prefer grass or hard court, and then play is the least liked or the least favorite um, amongst all the players. Now we're talking statistics and just accounting for everyone. But... Most players, they grew up playing on hard court because I think it's the most... Like, I mean, obviously, if you go to most countries and you want a tennis court, chances are you'll find a hard court. That's just how things are and should be, I guess. And there's a reason why there yeah, are four, four slams, two of which are hard court. You may be asking yourself, why is this guy going on and on about court surfaces and whatever? Most young players, take for example Ben Ben Sheldon, he's played on hard court all his life. Most of his, an overwhelming majority of his matches have been hard court matches. So we haven't seen what he can do on clay, what he can do on grass. And I think he had a, he had a run in Acapulco. Where did he have that run where he beat, um, where he beat... Kasparud. Was it Wimbledon? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Need to check it out. But the fact remains, most youngsters have played on hard court almost all their lives and are comfortable on hard court. So we are yet to see how their game translates to clay, how their game translates to grass, and if they have they can have that consistency on on those surfaces. It's worth noting as well that these young boys that are coming in now, 
at age 19, 20, 18, they are saving really big, like super big. Look at Holger Rune, for example. The boy is 19 or did he turn 20? I'm not sure. But you know Holger Rune is young. He's serving two first serves. I don't think he has a second serve. In one of his matches last year, the Paris Masters, I don't know if it was against Hukic or Stan Wawrinka or even Djokovic, he was serving 207, 207 kilometer per hour. I mean, Nadal can barely scrape 190. That's uh, just to give you context. And this, these boys are serving really huge. I mean, look at... Um, Ben Shelton, uh, the quarterfinal, he faced Tommy Paul. Paul had problems with his with Shelton's serve because it was really big and really precise, you know. So, yeah, I think we we the days of players having to be really tall and big to serve big, they're coming to an end. I don't know what's happening, or maybe the technique is improving worldwide in terms of coaching, but. Man, these young boys are saving big. They're saving big. I, I don't even know what height Rune is. Uh, but he's definitely not a Kyrgios or, or Pelka height. But he's saving really, really big. Also, speaking of Kyrgios, excited to see what he, what he's got, he has to give us this season. Um, was really bummed that he didn't play at the Australian Open. But that's okay. That's okay because, I mean... We need him for the entire season, so I'm I'm glad that I'm not glad he had an injury, but I'm glad he chose the sustainable route. And I think he wants to crack a top twenty, crack a top fifteen, possible. I mean, he's we know his talent. Come on, we we know his talent, and I think he has it in him to win a couple of uh, Masters events or five hundred ATP five hundred events. So, looking forward to see him play more consistently and just play the lower tournaments as well. Looking forward to see him play on on clay, yes. I haven't seen him in clay in a, in a while, in a while. We know what he can give us on grass. He gave us a final Wimbledon. We know what he can give us on on a hard court. Um, he lost to Karen Hatchinov. I think it was quarterfinals or one of 16, the US Open. And yeah, but looking forward to see what he can give us, Nick Kyrgios. And yeah, this episode was all over the place, but just talking generally, tennis in general, nothing specific. And yeah, let's talk again soon.